brothers and sisters in Christ, as we prepare to come to God's word together this morning, let us prepare our hearts, coming before the Lord in a time of prayer, asking that he would bless this time, that he would open our ears, our hearts, our minds, and our eyes to receive his word together. Let us pray. Blessed you are, God of our Lord Jesus Christ, Father of glory. Blessed you are, eternal God, source of wisdom and knowledge. Give us a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of Christ. Enlighten the eyes of our hearts, that we may know what is the hope to which we have been called. Reveal yourself to us, for we can only know know you if you give yourself to be known. As we come to your word this morning, O Lord, we thank you that you have revealed yourself to us, that you have revealed yourself to us in your word. We pray, Lord, that you would bless this time. We thank you for this blessing and privilege to be able to come to your word together. May your name be honored, glorified, and magnified here this morning. Please give your servant your words to speak. May they be your words and not mine. Help me to be attentive to your Holy Spirit's guidance and leading. Please open our ears, our hearts, our minds, our eyes to receive your word this morning, O Lord. In your precious Son, Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I invite you to turn with me in your Bibles this morning to the Gospel of John, to John chapter 15. It's page 1071 in your pew Bibles, where we'll be taking a look at verses 1 through 10 together this morning. John 15, verses 1 through 10. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit. And so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands, commandments and abide in his love. This is the word of the Lord. Congregation of Beacon Light, I'm guessing that a number of us here enjoy fruit. Where I grew up in Michigan, we had a number of orchards around and a number of various either strawberry fields or blueberry fields. And even here in Indiana, we have a few orchards spread out around us as well. Maybe you enjoy going to them in the fall time, getting to go with your family and peruse the various orchards there, peruse the trees that they have and picking some of your own apples to either maybe bake a pie or to just enjoy as a snack. And maybe you enjoy other kinds of fruits as well. Maybe you enjoy strawberries, blackberries, blueberries, or raspberries, a light and refreshing snack, or something maybe more citrusy 
and tart like an orange or uh, a lime or a grapefruit. Myself, I, perhaps, I particularly enjoy a good honey crisp apple that's tart yet also sweet. There are any number of fruits that God has given us to enjoy over the course of our lives. And as we see in scripture, God loves it when his people are bearing fruit, bearing spiritual fruit. We see it at various times throughout Old and New Testaments like we see here in John 15 this morning. At the beginning of this particular chapter, we see that God calls and desires us to be fruitful because of our being united with Christ. God calls and desires us to be fruitful because of our being united with Christ. As we see throughout our passage, there are a few ways that God, the master gardener, the master vine dresser, tends and cultivates us in order to bear and produce spiritual fruit for a spiritual harvest. Particularly our, one, abiding in his care, two, abiding in the vine, and three, abiding in his love. One, abiding in his care, two, abiding in the vine, and three, abiding in his love. With this in mind, let's turn to take a look at some of the cultivation techniques that the Lord uses on us in our first point of abiding in his care. Take a look with me there at verse 1. I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Now here we have another of the well-known I am statements of Jesus. I am the true vine. But Now what's so significant about a vine? Well, vines are a staple in agricultural life for Israel. It's something that they would have known well that they would have seen every day. But there's more to it, because we see throughout the Old Testament, Israel is often compared to a vine that the Lord has planted. But where he expected there to be spiritual fruit, a spiritual harvest, rather, he received only corruption, as time and time again, Israel faltered and failed, becoming more and more like the nations around her, producing only bad fruit instead. So here with Jesus' statement of being the true vine, he is compared, even contrasted with Israel as he lived the perfect life that we never could compared to the corruption and sinfulness of the people of Israel. Not only that, but we're told that the father is is the vine dresser, the one caring and tending the vine, the one cultivating it for a fruitful harvest. And as we continue on into verses 2 and 3, We'll see some of the, we see some of the various ways that he cultivates and tends the vine, the branches. We read in verse 2, Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may, be, that it may bear more fruit. Now here we see two cultivating strategies, two cultivating techniques that the Lord uses on us. First of all, we see that the Father takes away branches that are not producing fruit. Another way that this could be rendered or understood is every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he lifts up. No, that seems quite different. Lifting up versus taking away. So what's the difference there? The word that's used here in the original language, it can have a variety of meanings, both meaning to lift up or to take away or remove. But in light of cultivating a vine, the lifting up of the branches makes most sense as the father of the vine dresser's first step. Vines aren't meant to be on the ground. They're meant to be, they grow up in the air. They grow on trellises. So the logical first step of the Father is to lift up the branches off the ground to better help them to be productive and bear fruit. This by way of implication means that the Father in his care for us, his care of us, the branches draws us closer to himself in order to help us bear spiritual fruit. 
But as we said, this is only one cultivating strategy or technique that the Father uses. There's another one that Jesus mentions here. Take a look with me there at the second half of verse 2. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Pruning. It's an extremely important yet time-consuming task when it comes to any sort of gardening. If anyone here has had a garden over the years, you know and can attest to how time-consuming pruning can be, the time that it takes. But also you can attest to the results, the productivity that it can bring about. Kayla's parents own an orchard up in Kalamazoo, up in Michigan. And so over the years, we've had the privilege and opportunity to help out with various aspects of caring for that orchard. Like when Kayla and her family first moved to Michigan and first planted that orchard, they were out there watering the trees throughout that summer. And then we've also had the privilege and blessing to help out with the harvest over the years, getting to help pick some of those apples from the trees. But one other part that we've been able to take part in is the pruning process. And with hundreds of fruit trees, it's quite time-consuming, time-intensive, but it makes the difference between a handful of fruit compared to a tree that's way down, bearing under the load of an abundance of fruit. Usually there's a few of us on the ground getting some of those lower branches of the trees. Meanwhile, Kayla's dad and Kayla's twin sister are up in the tree branches getting some of those higher branches or maybe in a tractor bucket trying to get some of those topmost branches. There's quite a bit of trimming to be done, and it can take a keen eye, but it is extremely worth it. The rewards from pruning are quite worth the effort. While pruning the branches of a vine will look a little different, especially with the ease of reaching them compared to a fruit tree, the notion of pruning is the same here. The cutting back and trimming of branches in order that the branch might bear and produce more fruit. Just as before, this is a cultivating strategy that the Father uses on us as believers as well. Using his keen eye to trim away what is unruly and unhelpful to our growth in him to produce a a bountiful harvest of spiritual fruit in our lives. At times it can be time-consuming, long and drawn out, and no one ever said that pruning doesn't hurt. But in the end, the spiritual harvest is far, far worth the pain. One person makes a great connection between these two cultivating techniques when he says, what should happen is that we first of all draw near to God and become productive. After that, as the harmful things begin to be cut away, we hardly feel they're going. We hardly feel they're going. But take a look with me at verse 3 as we see a third cultivating technique that the Father uses. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. We see here that Jesus says that his disciples are clean because of the word that he has spoken to them. We see that God cares and nourishes us, cleaning us, cleansing us through his word. Ultimately, we need to submit to this care of the Father, this lifting up, this pruning, this cleansing of his. As we said before, though, it's not always the easiest. At times, the cultivating care of the Father can be time-intensive, it can be long and drawn out, and even painful at times. Uncomfortable. But as we see here, it's through this care of the Father that we can grow and bear a bountiful harvest of spiritual fruit. So, brothers and sisters, how might we need to draw near to God 
Or where might we need to be pruned or cleansed in order to bear spiritual fruit in our lives and walks with him? There's a variety of ways that we can draw near to God or that he draws us near to himself. One way can be through spending time in his word, which as we saw before is cleansing, cleansing, showing us how God desires us to live and especially revealing to us who he is, his mercy, his graciousness, his love, his love we're especially going to be focusing on here in just a little bit, spending a little bit of time looking at just a little bit later on in this passage. We see his compassion, his justice, and so much more. How about pruning or cleansing? Maybe we need God to prune our lives, rooting and cutting out habitual sin in our lives. That seems to keep coming back time and time again. Maybe it's cutting and removing idols from our hearts that we've erected in the place of God on the throne of our lives. Maybe it's the removing of a relationship that God knows is detrimental to our walks with him. It may be painful, and it may be a lengthy amount of time, but in the end, the harvest that awaits, the the harvest far outweighs the pain and discomfort that we experience. Like we read in Psalm 30, verses 4 through 5, Sing praises to the Lord, O you his saints, and give thanks to his holy name. For his anger is but for a moment, and his favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes with the morning. But the only way we're going to be bearing spiritual fruit is if, as we're going to take a look at in our second point together this morning, are abiding in the vine. Abiding in the vine. Take a look with me at verse 4 there. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you, unless you abide in me. Jesus continues using this language of the vine and the branches as he proceeds in teaching his disciples here. He begins by giving them a command, abide in me, followed by an elaboration. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. That sounds simple enough, right? Pretty straightforward. A branch that's no longer attached to the vine isn't going to be bearing or producing any fruit if it's not attached to the vine. It needs to be attached to the vine, which gives it nourishment in order for it to produce fruit. But this is exceedingly important for us to remember if we're going to be fruitful. The only way is through being united to Christ. It is through our union with Christ that we bear spiritual fruit. As believers in Christ, we are united with him. We read in Romans 6, 3 through 5, Do do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, there was that language that language of union, united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. Here Paul tells us that we as believers have died with Christ, dying to sin, so that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Jesus expounds this need to abide in union with him further in verse 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Here we have that stern reason as to why it's so crucial that we are abiding in union with Christ. Abiding in Christ in order to bear fruit. 
For apart from me, you can do nothing, he says. We might be thinking, though, but what about people who aren't believers, who do all kinds of good, like donating to good causes or helping others in need? Yes, they still do good, but apart from Christ, it is empty and void. They may do good things that, to make themselves feel good, to make themselves look good, or to make themselves feel better about themselves. But it ultimately doesn't stem from a heart of gratitude for what Christ has done for us on the cross. Nor is it done for God's honor and glory, which is to be the goal of the good that we do, the fruit that we bear. As we are a light for Christ, as we'll see a little bit later on in verse 8. As believers in Christ, we seek to honor and glorify God's name, not ours, through the fruit that we bear, through the good that we do. Then in verse 6, we read the following. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. In this verse, we have a stern and solemn warning, not for the elect, but for those who only appear to be Christians, but ultimately aren't true believers. Our eternal security is not what is in view here, but rather a warning to people who aren't truly united with Christ, who claim to be Christians, seeming to flourish spiritually, but their fruit rather shows the opposite. And that warning involves what will happen to those branches that aren't truly united to Christ, being gathered and burned. Branches of vines aren't useful for various woodworking projects. They're only useful for fuel as, as fuel for fire, and not even for sustaining a fire. They're only useful to just be consumed and burned there in the fire. Apart from Christ, we are just dead branches because of our sin and rebellion against a holy and just God, the one who created us. But thanks be to God that he has not left us in that state, but rather provides a way for dead branches to be united to the true vine and brought to life again out of his immense love for us through Christ's precious blood shed on the cross as he took our punishment, paying the debt that we could never pay on the cross and rising again from the dead three days later. Through Christ's sacrifice, he grafts us dead branches into himself, uniting us with Christ, bringing us from death to life again, so that we might bear fruit. If you are here this morning and you don't know the Lord, I, I encourage you, receive this free gift of his grace, bought at the precious blood of his son, Jesus Christ, who died on the cross for our sins. Surrender your life to him. Submit to him. Also, as we said before, it's so crucial that we are abiding in Christ, the true vine. We need to be in constant connection with him day in and day out. In our day and age, in our culture and society around us, it can just be so easy to go to church on Sunday and say, I've got my connection with God in for the week, I'm all good, and then head out into our weeks and live our lives as if Sunday never happened. But that's not what we see here in our passage. We see that we need to be abiding in God daily, living, having our lives shaped and formed, cultivated by continued connection through abiding in him, by continued connection in prayer and studying of his word. We see Jesus throughout his ministry taking time to be alone with the Father, connecting with him in prayer, even early in the morning and the early watches of the night. How crucial then is it for us to spend time abiding in the Lord? through prayer and study of his word, where he has revealed himself to us. 
We also need to be wary of the opposite problem of becoming prideful about our own walks with the Lord to the point that we look down on others because they might not be where we're at in our own walks. Not only is it crucial that we abide in Christ, the true vine, but as we read in verse 7, God's word is to abide in us. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Just like we saw earlier with God's word cleansing us, God's word is to abide in his disciples and his disciples throughout every age through which we draw closer to our Heavenly Father, through which he draws us closer to himself. This then shapes how the disciples, how believers throughout every age are to pray, that there in our prayers will be in tune with what God God desires, bringing about a full answering. It's as we pray in the Lord's Prayer, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus then says in verse 8 that by this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. One person puts it well when they say, The disciples will surely glorify the Father by their continual fruit bearing. Since they cannot bear fruit of themselves, their fruitfulness is evidence of the Father at work in them, and thus it glorifies him. May it be so with us, Beacon Light, that God is glorified by our fruit bearing as evidence of his work in us as he cultivates in us spiritual fruit. Not only are we to abide in Christ, the true vine, in order to bear fruit, but as we see in the last couple of verses, we are to be abiding in his love, abiding in his precious love, which we take a look at in our third and final point this morning together. We read the following in verse 9, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. And then he commands them to abide in my love. Throughout the gospel accounts, we see the love that the Father has for the Son on a variety of occasions. One well-known instance is in Matthew 3, 16 through 17 at Christ's baptism. We read there, And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased." Brothers and sisters, we then have an amazing follow-up statement to as the Father has loved me back in our passage when Jesus tells the disciples, so have I loved you. The measure that Christ loves his disciples then and his disciples over the span of time throughout every age, including us, is as one person puts it, with the greatest love there is. Namely, the love which has existed within the being of the Godhead from all eternity and will exist to all eternity And then a little later states, this love is without beginning or end. It is without measure. It is without change. It is according to the measure of this great love and consequently with that love itself that Christ loves us. Brothers and sisters in Christ, how beautiful, how amazing is that? We see especially that in just a few chapters, Christ is going to show the disciples the extent of his love as he goes to the cross and there in our place, for there in our sins. This is what we will be remembering and celebrating in just a few weeks with Good Friday and Easter. We remember and celebrate Christ's death on the cross for our sins and the immense love of God showed to us there, his pursuing love for us. And then Christ states to abide in that love. Verse 10, we then read, If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, 
just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. And we might be thinking, whoa, 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 whoa. This seems or sounds like works righteousness or at least staying in grace, staying in Christ's love by works, but neither is the case. I affirm to you we are saved by grace through faith alone. So then what is this verse getting at then? We can't help but hear an earlier verse that's echoed here, John 14, verse 15. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Just like loving earthly parents expect obedience from their children, so too God, our loving Heavenly Father, expects obedience from his children. Like we mentioned earlier, Israel fails at this quite often, but we see that this response of loving obedience is crucial, and ultimately it is out of gratitude for what Christ has done for us that we keep and are obedient to his commands, the fruit of obedience. And it's through the enabling work of the Holy Spirit that we are able to be obedient and keep God's commands. At times, yes, we falter and fail in this regard, but thanks be to God for his immense gift and blessing of his grace and mercy to us in Christ Jesus for those times that we do falter and fail, that we can come before him, repent of those times, ask for his forgiveness. Some might argue, wondering how the commandments throughout Scripture can be loving, but these commandments come from the one true God, and his commands are perfect, righteous, and holy we are believers and united with Christ, how can we not desire to keep his commands out of gratitude for what God has done for us in Christ? So the question for us is, brothers and sisters, how do we respond? Do we respond in love and obedience? Or do we respond with a resistance and rebellion? At times, we do respond with that resistance and rebellion. I know that as a fallen human being, I do at times. Thanks be to God, as we said before, for his grace and his mercy, forgiving us for the times that we resist and rebel, and then enabling us to turn and respond in love and obedience to his commands. Before we conclude, though, there is one more thing that we cannot neglect to talk about this morning. Throughout our time taking a look at this passage, we've been talking about abiding in the true vine as God calls us to be fruitful because of our being united with Christ. But what fruit are we talking about? What fruit are we to be bearing in our own walks with the Lord? We've already talked about one briefly, the fruit of obedience. But what other fruit are we to be bearing in our own lives? What fruit are we to be asking the Lord to be cultivating in our walks with him? The Apostle Paul gives us that answer beautifully when he writes in his letter to the churches in Galatia. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. These are the kinds of fruit that we are to be bearing through our abiding in the true vine. These are the fruits that we are to be cultivating, asking the Lord to be cultivating in us in our own lives and walks with the Lord, ultimately out of gratitude through the enabling work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Congregation of Beacon Light, there are lots of kinds of fruit that we have the blessing to enjoy over the course of our lives. But we also see throughout Scripture that God desires for his people to be bearing fruit, spiritual fruit, like the kind listed in Galatians 5, 22 through 23, as well as the fruit of obedience to his commandments. We saw in our first point this morning of abiding in his care, the importance of submitting to his cultivating techniques resting under his cultivating care in order that we might bear abundant fruit. At times it may be painful, but in the end, the harvest is well worth it. 
In our second point of abiding in the vine, we saw the importance of our union with Christ, as well as the importance and vitality of God's word abiding in our hearts as well. That apart from Christ, we can do nothing. And in our third point of abiding in his love, we see the immense love that God has for us, evidenced in Christ's death and resurrection, which, as we said before, we look forward to celebrating here in just a few weeks. And his desire for us to keep his commandments out of gratitude for what Christ has done for us on the cross. And we look forward to the day, brothers and sisters, when our races are finished, when either Christ returns or the Lord calls us home, whichever it may be. And we get to abide with our Lord and Savior face to face, worshiping him, glorifying him, and praising him forevermore. Amen. Dear Lord God and Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning and we thank you. We want to thank you for this time that we could spend together in your word. We thank you for your word, for this privilege and blessing that we have to come to your word together. Lord, would you help us as we go out into our days and weeks ahead, help us to be submitting to your your cultivating care in our walks and lives with you. Help us to submit to your pruning care as you lift us closer to yourself, as you, your cleansing care. Lord, help us to be abiding in you through the working of your Holy Spirit, the enabling work of your Holy Spirit in our lives. We thank you for Christ's death and his resurrection, for your love shown to us in Christ. Help us to be abiding in your love, to rest in your love for us. We thank you for your pursuing your steadfast love towards us as we reflected on here this morning. May your name be honored and glorified through all that we do and say. Enable us through the working of your Holy Spirit to be bearing spiritual fruit. Cultivate within us the fruit of obedience as well as other fruits of the Spirit, Lord. That our lives would mirror and show forth your light, your love to a world darkened by sin. May all the good that we do, Lord, be out of gratitude for what Christ has done for us on the cross. We love you, Lord. In your precious Son, Jesus' name we pray. Amen.